0: This is The Rundown Pod, your podcast concierge. I'm Roger Clark, with an E, announcer and co-host for this production. And now, a man who needs no introduction. That is, after he is revealed to be the mystery buyer of the $60 million apartment in Miami Beach's Farina District, Mr. Paul
1: Clifford. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of The Rundown Pod. Yes, that's right. I am the $60 million mystery investor of the uh, condominium that was recently sold in Miami Beach's Faina District. I may be mispronouncing that, but that's okay. Today we have a deep dive. It's just going to be one podcast that we're looking at. It's going to be 99% invisible. Those who listen uh, occasionally to the offerings of the iTunes store or on Android will probably be familiar with this. It is produced out of San Francisco slash Oakland uh, by a man named Roman Mars. And I, I have conflicted feelings on this podcast, and that's why I'm going to spend a whole 10 minutes on it, or 11. Maybe we'll dip into 12. Uh, as you know, the rundown pod usually only goes 10 to 15 minutes. And I wanted to discuss it with you guys. I wanted to like take a look at each clip and talk a little bit about what's going on in the clip and what, what my thoughts are on 99% Invisible and hopefully get feedback from the audience uh, the rundown pod so before we get to the clips we can uh, talk a little bit about how to reach me uh, you can reach me at at rundown pod on twitter or you can email me at paul at rundownpod.com you can always come to our website as well rundownpod.com look at past episodes you can listen to the podcast we review on the website we have links there the soundcloud files are often up there or if there is no soundcloud file we provide a link to the Podcast website. So, with that, let's dive right in. Those who aren't familiar with the 99% Invisible podcast, it's more or less an engineering architecture podcast. So he, well, not necessarily. Actually, that's probably not fair. He he does anything um, in the built environment. So it could be anything from doorknobs to to fire escapes. They recently did an episode on fire escapes, and it sounds kind of mundane and boring but well, you listen to it and it's and they'll take a mundane and boring topic and make it fascinating. I mean, they have over 5,000 five-star reviews on iTunes and and that's incredible. But why I am conflicted and why I'm going to spend the whole episode on it is because at times, you know, it'll be going nicely, but they hit such a hipster wall and they're so pleased with themselves that it just it's like fingernails on a chalkboard and I'm and I'm wondering who is it's the audience that tolerates this and how come nobody says anything about it because what is otherwise a a fantastic podcast it'd be it'd be almost like if if you were eating a bowl of vanilla ice cream and someone just came and squirted some ketchup in it and and i'll get to that we'll get to the clips and we'll look we'll listen to the clips and we'll see if you feel the same way you guys may think hey paul clifford you're insane and that may be very well be true um Although I don't think so. I think I'm entitled to my opinion. So let's listen to the first clip from 99% Invisible to set this up. They're talking about, actually, they're going to be talking about fortune cookies, but then they're talking about the evolution of fortune cookies. Again, kind of seems like a mundane topic. Maybe not everybody's uh, deal or something everybody would be into, but it believe me it's kind of interesting so here is that clip chinese
0: food along with pizza and the frankfurter has been adopted and modified to become american cuisine rooted in some good old-fashioned american xenophobia in the early waves of chinese immigration in the 1850s the new chinese population worked mostly as miners and farmers and laborers and americans as ever We're concerned about these new immigrants taking away jobs. And it was actually only after a huge anti-Chinese backlash that the Chinese actually moved into two fields. One was laundries, the other one was um, restaurants. So these were cleaning and cooking, which are women's work, and thus they were safe and no longer a
2: threat to the American male.
0: And as their livelihoods depended on it, Chinese restaurant owners made up dishes to cater to American tastes.
2: Americans basically like um,
0: things that are sweet and are fried and are chicken. And that's how dishes like chop suey were invented.
1: That, it's interesting. So we go from an interesting topic of fortune cookies and we devolve into how fat, lazy, and xenophobic Americans are. I'm not refuting that 150 years ago by today's standards... Americans probably were a little bit xenophobic, but even read Australia's history on immigration. I think it was like a decade ago they just opened up the borders, and I think they're still having a bumpy road with that. The Chinese were building railroads in America in 1865, and Denmark, I got other things here, Denmark has reportedly paid immigrants who could not assimilate into Denmark to leave the country, and according to the Washington Post, Saudi women cannot start businesses or Until recently, they couldn't even drive a car. Yemen, women are considered half a witness and cannot leave their houses without their husbands. And in Yemen and Morocco, women who are raped are still, to this day, can be charged with a crime. If we were xenophobic 150 years ago by allowing Chinese to immigrate and start businesses, but there were some barriers to entry into the banking sector, so they went into the service sector... This is the ketchup in the vanilla ice cream. I'm happy to talk about fortune cookies and the evolution of for- fortune cookies. But when you start spicing in, the fear of the American male in 1865 led to the Chinese going into dry cleaning. I don't know where you're going with this, Roman Mars. Let's listen to uh, them continue about how the Chinese got back at us culinary-wise.
0: Chop suey, the name, actually means assorted pieces, like odds and ends. Oh, chop suey
2: is the biggest culinary joke that one culture has ever played on another.
0: Chop suey is not a real Chinese dish at all. It's as American as apple pie. And speaking of apple pie.
2: Americans want dessert because we are American and we like things which are sweet and fatty. So you needed a dessert.
0: And as Chinese desserts go, there aren't that many options that the American palate would go for.
1: We have the the three voices there, Roman Mars and the two females, vacillate between calling Americans fat and their hipster vocal fry, which I know they've been assaulted for before, the hipsters and their vocal fry. Google it if you don't know what vocal fry is. That The whole tenor of the thing is, it's kind of like, what are you getting at? It's like you had a bad day at work and you're yelling at your kids or something. Personally, I find it only annoying because what is an interesting topic, which is fortune cookies. Let's stick with fortune cookies. If we want to talk about America's human rights failures, then let's do that in a complete way, not through sidelong jabs involving fatty foods. It's almost like a it's it's almost like a subtle religious kind of walk. It's a hipster liberal version of religion. And I and I just wanted to talk more about the xenophobia, is Japan, this is according to the the Washington Post in a country where uh, nationals favor a racially unique and homogeneous society the foreign population accounted for only 1.7% of the total population in 2010 according to the organization for economic cooperation and development that could also be why japan averages like 3 homicides a year well, actually i think that's gun homicides to be uh, to be fair to japan let's talk more about 99% invisible now he always refers to beautiful Oakland, California, in the outro. So let's listen to that. We
0: are a project of 91.7 KALW San Francisco and produced out of the offices of ArcSign, an architecture and interiors firm in beautiful downtown Oakland, California.
1: Now, I'm not going to refute that Oakland is beautiful. They do have the Oakland A's and they do have the Oakland Raiders, two great sports teams, and oh, the Golden State Warriors. Let's not forget them as well. They're actually a really good basketball team as well in recent years but I looked up some other facts about Oakland. Oakland has more artists per capita than any city in the country. That's very cool. It's the most ethnically diverse city in the US with more than 125 different languages and dialects being spoken there, and it's also home to MC Hammer, Too Short, the rapper, if you've heard of him, Tom Hanks, Clint Eastwood, and I think Bruce Willis also hailed from uh, Oakland. They and they have the three uh, the three major sports teams. The only city in California to have three sports teams. I read that on the internet, I thought, the only city in California have three sports teams. I'm like, well, L.A. has like seven that I could count. If you if you look at the greater L.A. area, they have the Lakers, the Clippers, the Angels, the Dodgers, the Mighty Ducks, the Kings. And let's not forget, Sporty Spice's favorite team, the Galaxy. Let's listen to a clip that, that kind of will endear you to the show, show you what's great about it. They talk, they do a whole episode about refrigeration containers. And it goes into how modern refrigeration in the shipping industry prevents fruits from spoiling, vegetables from spoiling, and how this innovation has saved us millions and millions of dollars and made us more and more efficient. And this is a really fantastic episode for the most part. So let's listen to a a clip from that episode.
0: This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. Cars, house paint, fertilizer, look around you. Pretty much everything was delivered in a shipping container. There are 20 million shipping containers now in the world, carried by 6,000 container vessels, all moving literal tons of stuff back and forth over the ocean. And it all started in 1956, when a trucker by the name of Malcolm McLean had an amazingly good idea. What if there was a container that could come off a ship full of goods and attach to a truck or a train? No need to move the goods from one container to the next. Goodbye to all the time and labor spent loading and unloading. McLean believed the shipping container could revolutionize the way goods moved around the world.
1: And that's the intro that explains the birth of the shipping container, and the natural follow-on to that is the birth of the refrigeration container. And so they take that natural follow-on in what is probably an interesting subject and make a very hipster and millennial joke with it, And here's that.
0: Refrigerated containers, which it is my great pleasure to tell you are referred to within the industry as reefers. Dude. I know. And with an entirely straight face.
1: I'm not against pot jokes. In fact, I I believe in the episode that we did here on the rundown pod, Roger Clark with an E when talking about Jupiter Keys, similar name to Roman Mars, and his band Health from Los Angeles, Roger Clark made the joke, I bet these boys are doing a little bit more than enjoying afternoon cartoons at 420, a pot joke. Okay, so in fairness, I make pot jokes, or Roger Clark with an E makes pot jokes, and I'm not allowing Roman Mars to make pot jokes. But on the other hand, I, I kind of think of ours, or by this podcast, the tone of it is a little bit silly. And for the most part, maybe this episode hasn't been too silly. Maybe I'm taking it in a different direction. Maybe I don't know. But whereas Roman Mars, you know, it's kind of a factual engineering, kind of an education mode. And and all of a sudden, dude, but yeah, (laughs) that's funny. It's it's more ketchup in my ice cream. That's right. They continue on with the reefer joke. At the end of the episode, he goes, that's never not funny to me. Oh, that's never not funny. And he starts giggling again. I don't know. I'm disappointed, Roman, by that. I went trolling around on um, YouTube and found an interview that Roman Mars did with the Tested YouTube channel. If you're familiar with the Discovery Channel show Mythbusters with Jamie and Adam, they do a podcast channel called Tested, and they interviewed Roman Mars about podcasting, and, and completely counter to everything I've said to this point in this podcast, he actually came off fairly charming. And... I know he can be because their podcast is a great podcast besides the ketchup part. And just calling the rest of it ice cream is probably unfair. It's more, like, it's more like pot roast. So I guess it would be more like if someone put a, it's, it's like if, if your friend came along and stuck a churro right in the middle of your pot roast. You know what I'm saying? You don't want a churro in your pot roast. Maybe after you eat your pot roast, you clear your palate, then you go for the churro. That might be, a, but the pot roast next to the churro, not so good. So I'm going to, it's better to compare Roman Mars and 99% Invisible to a pot roast because it's a little bit more of a meal. It's a little more savory. And when you compare it to ice cream, ice cream's a little too fluffy. Ice cream's like this podcast it's fluffy, entertain well, meant to be entertaining, meant to be easy, in and out, a little bit lighter. His is meant to be heavier. You can listen to the music, it's really heavy. I did want to read to you one the only pod the only iTunes I had to literally go through all the iTunes reviews and find one three star review of the podcast that kind of actually he he nailed my sentiment that just is a testament to Roman Mars and how great the uh, 99% invisible podcast is because if I if I had to go through there's over 5000 reviews and I had to dig deep to find one that was like this but this one's by Mean Luke Green and it says like cut it out with your fake radio voice The drama speaks for itself. I want this show to be more straightforward rather than saturated with meaningless and over-the-top production. Look at Radiolab. They try to sound special, but their stories are vapid. 99% Invisible has quality material but is overdressed like a premium cut of steak with far too much salt and pepper. I stopped listening because the show made me feel psychophantic. It's unnatural to be passively obsequious. This guy, I got to tell you, I hadn't read the whole thing. And it's interesting that he did the cut of steak thing, and I had just done the cut of steak thing. I like you, mean Luke Green, but what I don't like is obsequious and psychophantic. What is this? An SAT test? But vapid. There's one for you. Psychophantic, I believe, means uh, overly adoring or sucking uppy, and obsequious. I think that means something like obedient. But don't count on me to uh, for your SAT words. All right, go look those up. Go look up obsequious. Uh, even vapid for that matter. Why not? Let's listen to an endearing interview with with Roman Mars so we can can leave on a good note and this isn't just a complete... It actually really isn't that bad. I just kind of picked the lowlights. And I feel bad for it, but not so much. Hopefully you listen to it. Actually, you guys should go out there and listen to 99% Invisible and then tell me what you think. Maybe I was too hard on him. Maybe I was too easy on him. I don't know. Let me know. Came from
0: radio. Can you give me a little bit about your background and, and where you came from?
1: Sure.
2: I was just one of those classic public radio fans who listened to five, six, seven hours of public radio a day. And there was like a way that people talked, the, the stories that were being told, that just spoke to me. And they also, it was also really seductive to me. Like I felt like I could do it. It was. I mean, I I, I was wrong. It took me years to do it right, but I felt like I could do it. And so I. Wrote every, to every internship, tried to get everything possible. I had no experience. And then KALW Public Radio in San Francisco allowed me to come in and, and be a volunteer producer. And so that's where I started.
0: And you brought your interest in design and architecture. So that's what the podcast is essentially about, mm-hmm. um, the hidden world of design. Uh, for people who might not know what 99% is visible, what, what's the one-line pitch for
2: the, for the show? It's uh, short. Radio show about design, architecture, and the 99% invisible activity that shapes the world. (laughs) So
1: that is everything is kind of designed.
2: Yeah, like Uh, everything human-made, human-built, the built world
1: is is all within our purview. Something maybe a little more endearing about Roman Mars, but if you're anti-hipster, you're probably not going to like the podcast, but hopefully you give it a listen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Our mission is... Well, originally, you know what's funny about the, the rundown pod? Initially, I wanted to kind of be the soup for podcasts, like play clips and then make fun of them. And hopefully we're doing something similar to that. I think, as with everything, as Roman Mars was, in fact, just saying, just starting, this is the eighth podcast. I'm hoping to get better as time goes on and get more and more and closer and closer to that goal because I, I think the, the podcast world needs something like talk soup. It is a nice curation method. But it's also kind of fun to poke fun. So please don't take any of this too seriously. I enjoyed showing some low lights of 99% invisible. But also you can tell that I that I also like the podcast, so it's really it's it's like telling your friend how you really think about him. And you want saying, hey dude, improve. If you call your friend dude. Maybe you don't. Maybe maybe you call your friend something else, like Dave. So, with that, for Roger Clark with an E, I'm Paul Clifford saying matinee. Alvider Zane, hasta la vista, and see you next time.